Greetings, beloved ones. My name is LaVon Briggs. I am a body and sex positive womanist preacher, speaker, and author. Sensual faith is a sacred space that I carve out for you to uncover your spirituality, recover your sensuality, and discover your sexuality. So if that sounds good to you, and if that feels good to you, you're in the right place. Womanist. A Black feminist, loves music, loves dance, loves the moon, loves the spirit, loves love and food and roundness, loves struggle, loves the folk, loves herself regardless. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Greetings, beloved ones, and welcome back to Sensual Faith Podcast. I am your host, LaVon Briggs, and I am so excited to be talking to you today about a topic that is very tender, but very important to me and to the collective. So being a womanist means that I center the experiences, perspectives, and vantage points of Black women. And quiet as is kept, There has been a part of the definition of womanist that I have skipped over until fairly recently. So in 1979, Alice Walker, the illustrious author, poet, writer, activist, created the term womanist. She used it in an essay, but it wasn't until 1983 in her seminal text, In Search of Our Mother's Gardens, Womanist Prose, that she actually lays out this eloquent four-part definition of what a womanist is. And since womanism is such a central tenet of my work, I would argue is the central tenet. No, because we're African-centered first and foremost. We wouldn't have needed womanism if it weren't for colonialism. Hello, somebody. (laughs) And so I want to go through this definition with y'all. I actually recommend Black women and femmes to print out this definition, all four parts, and to place it somewhere in your home where you can see it, because it's something that just stirs something in you. Every time you read it, you get something new from it, you know? And so I feel like as time goes on, as you experience more things, as you come back to this definition, different parts of it are going to stand out to you. I think depending on what season of life you're in and things like that. So for the uninitiated who are not familiar with the term womanist, a womanist is a blackity, black, 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 radical feminist, (laughs) right? Feminism typically... I don't want to talk about this right now because I'm going to talk about it later. Feminism has historically been for white women, and I'll get into that in more detail later on in the episode. But essentially, feminism is insufficient for the liberation of Black women and femmes. And so Alice Walker giving us this language is essentially giving us another link in the chain of liberation and freedom. And so as we are exploring what it means to be womanist and or to center womanism, um, it's important that we know what is a womanist. (laughs) And so womanist, part one, from womanish, opposite of girlish, i.e. frivolous, irresponsible, not serious, a black feminist or feminist of color. Okay, record stop. That was the part right there that I would skip over. What you mean feminist of color? You talking about a brown woman? You talking about Asians? You talking about Latinas? Because honey, baby, 
some of the harm that I have experienced around race and racism and anti-Blackness has absolutely been at the hands of non-Black women of color. And so I would just skip over that part. In fact, (laughs) in fact, in writing my first book, Sensual Faith, The Art of Coming Home to Your Body, I included just about every other word of this entire four-part definition in chapter one of the book. <laughs> and then I was like, I left out feminist of color child intentionally. And so from the time I started writing that book, the end of 2019, to the time that I finished it in April 2022, I was excluding feminists of color because I wanted to gatekeep the term. And so I went on TikTok to make this. And so I recorded a TikTok to introduce this term to my black women followers. And I don't know what TikTok's algorithm did and how it pushed it to so many white people. But I remember I posted it on a Friday afternoon at like 5 p.m. Central Standard Time. And when I woke up Saturday morning, I had like 1,500 (laughs) new followers who were white. And they were asking all these questions in the comment section. And I was like, whoa, I had to make, I don't make TikToks on the weekend. Actually, that's not true. I don't post TikToks on the weekend, but it was a Saturday morning and I was still in my bed and I had to be like, this is for the niggas, strictly for the niggas. This is for the niggas, the real nigga, because I was not about to have white people coming up onto my page thinking that I am an institution and they don't have to pay tuition, baby. You have to bring tribute. Okay. I am a whole institution. You need to pay in order for me to educate you. And I don't educate white people. I know racial reconciliation is not my ministry. And so I was clear about who I was talking to in the video. And so when I started paying attention to the comments from other black women, there were several of them who said, no, as far as I know, it's just for black women. And I had to tell them, We can gatekeep it all we want. And I understand why we would want to do that. But according to Alice Walker, it says feminist of color. So (laughs) I would love to chime in. I would love to sit down with Alice Walker and see if maybe I'm misreading it. If maybe it's a black woman feminist who identifies a black woman feminist who identifies as a feminist of color as opposed to a black feminist. But I don't know many radical black women who identify as of color. Every radical black woman that I know says, please don't lump me in with BIPOC. Please don't do the black indigenous people of color thing. Just say black. (laughs) When you mean black people say black, you know, so it says feminist of color from the black folk expression of mothers to female children, you act in womanish, i.e. like a woman, usually referring to outrageous, audacious, courageous, or willful behavior. Come on, agency. Wanting to know more and in greater depth than is considered good for one. Interested in grown-up doings, acting grown-up, being grown-up. This makes me think of when Black mamas tell you, get out of grown folks' business, Go to the kids table, (laughs) you know, at the wedding or at the holiday dinner or the Sunday dinner, how they have the two tables. There's one for the adults and then there's one for the children. 
It's like they're perpetually trying to put this at the kids' table. No, we want to know what's going on over here. Y'all got all the tea. Y'all got all the drama. We want to know what's going on. <laughs> Interchangeable with another Black folk expression, you trying to be grown, responsible, in charge, serious. That's the end of part one. And so that is giving us Black girlhood. It's giving us you being fast, why are you trying to be grown, just all kinds of language. But what stands out to me is this idea of autonomy and wanting to know more than what people think is good for you, which if we turn to the Bible, sounds a lot like who? Like Eve, right? Like the 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 record states that the serpent goes to Eve and it's like, oh, just eat the fruit. God is just nervous that you're going to know just as much as God knows. That's why God doesn't want you to eat that fruit. So this idea that there is some knowledge that is not available to you, I just don't think that's right. Maybe it needs to be, perhaps it needs to be presented to you in an age appropriate way, or it's something that will come down the pike. You know how there are some things that your mom didn't talk to you about when you were a child, but when you became a teenager, she unfolded some things to you. And when you got in your mid twenties and when you had your first heartbreak and when you started engaging in sex, like she started saying, well, I had this and your father did that. And my dad, and you're like, whoa, you never told me any of this. Why didn't you ever tell me this? Well, you were too young. Well, you weren't grown enough, right? And so how significant would it be if we were able to start getting these stories at younger ages so that we could get the wisdom, we could get the medicine from it? Womanist part two. Also, a woman who loves other women sexually and or non-sexually. Now, y'all, this is important because I feel like as a straight woman, who is cis and a womanist that sometimes, okay, the queer girlies make it seem like I'm not a radical womanist because I'm straight. And I'm like, just because I like penis doesn't mean that I don't want liberation for all black women and femmes. And so if you are a straight womanist, look, it's the thing, okay? We get to engagement and we get to dismantle patriarchy at the same time. And so while we might be the minority, I don't know the numbers of Black women who are feminists and who's straight, gay, trans. I don't know. I don't have that research. What I do know is that in my lived experience, I feel like there have been some queer mentors who have, upon acknowledging and internalizing that I am in fact straight, that it was almost as if, oh, you're not one of us. And so I just want to say that being a womanist is literally about giving black women and femme space to be who the fuck they are freely, authentically, and to love and accept them, period. So there's that. <laughs> Appreciates and prefers women's culture Women's emotional flexibility values tears as natural counterbalance of laughter and women's strength. Oh, am goodness. I adore this so much because I absolutely do believe in women's wisdom and in intuition in our tears, right? Our tears are holy and sacred. So tears as natural counterbalance of laughter. And sometimes we laugh so hard that we cry. So sometimes tears are not just a counterbalance, but a compliment to laughter. 
And that's a part of our strength. So if someone makes you feel like you're weak for crying or like I heard on Selling Sunset, I just started season five, y'all, where Chelsea said bad bitches don't cry. What? That's sounding oddly close and similar to men telling young boys, oh, men don't cry. (laughs) Man up. Like it's basically saying suppress who you are. And so I love this because it gives us permission to embrace our tears. God gave us tear ducts for a reason. Let's indulge, beloved. Maybe we cried more, we'd be more healed as individuals and as a collective. Sometimes loves individual men sexually and or non-sexually. So again, LGBTQIA+ and or straight and or pan and or and and right we gotta shift beyond the labels committed to survival and wholeness of entire people male and female i would add and non-gender conforming but again this is from 1983 not a separatist except periodically for health mm it's about to be mental health awareness month it's about to be mother's day It's about to be stuff that's potentially unhealthy, whether it's family dinners, phone calls, FaceTimes, commercials. Ooh, when people start posting all their pictures with their moms and aunties and grandmoms, and that can be a sore spot for you. Just know that it's okay to unplug. If you are not in a space where you can engage with the women in your family in ways that are healthy and in ways that are nurturing, it's absolutely okay to sit this one out. You do not have to partake in Mother's Day festivities. Mother's Day was started by a white woman (laughs) in the early 1900s because her mom passed away and she was missing her real bad. And so she just created this day to commemorate mothers. Um, let's see, the American incarnation of Mother's Day was created by Anna Jarvis in 1908 and became an official U.S. holiday in 1914. So somehow, some way, due to capitalism, Mother's Day went from being a day to remember and honor this deceased mother <laughs> and to honor mothers around the country to becoming this capitalist holiday that's been engorged with consumerism and this idea that your mom has sacrificed so much for you. You need to celebrate her on this day. You need to fight all these other families for a reservation at the best restaurant and get her the flowers and the roses. And you better get there early or she's going to have the dry, crusty brown ones. And you got to get her jewelry. And if you're the husband, this is the mother of your children. You better upgrade that wedding band like you know just apparently Anna Jarvis was upset that the holiday became really commercialized as well but I'm like girl it's America what did you expect so all that to say that any holiday it doesn't matter what if it's Groundhog Day and Groundhog Day is upsetting to you beloved skip it skip it be a separatist if it's for your health Traditionally, a universalist, as in, mama, why are we brown, pink, and yellow, and our cousins are white, beige, and black? Answer, well, you know the colored race is just like a flower garden, with every color flower represented. You know how we look, okay? Black folks come in every shade, range, color, hue, complexion. That's just how we are. Because, baby, listen, some of these biracial children out here, I'm like, you are black. (laughs) 
let's be clear. Traditionally capable, as in mama, I'm walking to Canada and I'm taking you and a bunch of other slaves with me. Reply, it wouldn't be the first time. And so you know how sometimes we think we have it all together and we know it all and we want to tell our moms what they did wrong and what they should have done differently. I think once we extend the grace to our mothers that they did the best that they could, right? Um, Once we let them off the hook for that, then we can shift into engaging them in the ways that they have the capacity to do so. You know, I think many of us are picking at the scab of our mother wounds to quote uh, Jennifer Arniz, who talks a lot about the black mother wound in particular. Many of us are picking at those scabs in that we want our mothers to provide something that they simply don't have the capacity to provide, right? You wouldn't look at your red toy poodle. I want a red toy poodle, (laughs) y'all. You wouldn't look at your red toy poodle and be like, okay, red toy poodle, recite the alphabet backwards in C sharp, right? Your dog would be looking at you like, "Um, can I have a treat, please? Can we go for a walk? Like you engage your pet in the ways that your pet can be engaged. I'm not calling your mama a pet. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you have certain expectations on other nouns, other people, places, things. You know what you're getting into. So if every time you engage your mother and you're hoping for something that you didn't get when you were a child or something that you've always wanted to hear her say, do you've always wanted hugs or signs of affection, If your mother does not have the capacity to do it, you have to forgive her and see that she's doing the best that she can. If she could do better, she would do better. Let me help free somebody this Mother's Day season. If your mother could do better, she would do better. And so as we are in search of our mother's gardens, maybe start asking questions. Why is she closed off? And this is only if you feel comfortable. You don't have to do this, right? You could not call your mother. Listen, Dr. Brianna Boy tells me, LaVon, well, she will probably say, sweet girl, baby girl, (laughs) if it doesn't bring you joy, it is your obligation not to do it. And that is a piece of advice that I take with me, whether it's texting back one of these, you know, Negroids, or it's a project that I'm thinking about taking on. So just keep that in your back pocket this season. Womanist part three. This is my favorite definition. Loves music, loves dance. I'm smiling. I'm cheesing right now. (laughs) Loves the moon, loves the spirit, loves love and food and roundness. Okay. As the purveyor of all things sensual faith, do you see why this is my favorite part of the definition? I love to dance. I love to be in my body. I love talking about lunar energy and divine feminine energy and trusting your intuition. All of that, right? Love and food and roundness. That's giving community and self-acceptance. Oh, it's just so great. And then here comes Alice Walker talking about Love struggle. Now, this is where we get a lot of resistance and friction aside from the feminists of color part. This is the second part where we get the most like mm, pushback. And I get it right. When you say love struggle, it makes it seem like black women and femmes are supposed to be out here just loving the fight, loving the protest, loving the, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The, the girl. And it's like, why do we have to love struggle? But what I think is, you know, Alice Walker was born in the the 40s. Let me double check. Hold on. 
Yeah. Alice Walker was born in the 40s. And so you got to think about what kind of (laughs) life she was accustomed to seeing for Black women and femmes, what was going on in the world, what kinds of movement she was witnessing. And so when I hear love struggle coming from Alice Walker, it seems more of loves the fight for liberation, loves to see her Black folks getting and staying free. That's what I get from this part of the definition that says love struggle. So we're not saying love, struggle, love, love, struggling, love, oppression. No, that's not what we're saying. Loves the folk, meaning all folk. Okay. All black people, period. If you do not want the liberation of all black people, beloved, I, it's not, it's not giving, it's not giving liberation. If your liberation model doesn't include all black folks, Loves herself regardless. Self-love is a whole entire revolution, okay? It is the greatest, sweetest prayer. There is a poet. Ah, Nayira Wahid, period. Nayira Wahid has a poem and it says, I love myself. The quietest, simplest, most powerful revolution ever. Child, I need to make that a whole entire episode right there. The fact that loving ourselves is countercultural and revolutionary goes to show just how deeply ingrained into this matrix of systems of oppression is anti-Blackness and anti-womanhood. It's just carved into it, y'all. And so the only way to dissolve it is to dissolve your self-loathing and to love yourself and embrace yourself and know that you are worthy of all good things, (laughs) of abundance in all its forms of success, whatever that definition is for you and joy, unspeakable joy, regardless. Womanist part four. Womanist is to feminist as purple is to lavender. Now, this is the definition that I use whenever I'm introducing the term womanist to people, especially when I'm talking to white folks and everyone just is like, aha, and you see the heads nodding because First of all, it's an analogy. So that's always helpful, right? You can identify the color lavender. You can identify the color purple and you can see why purple is darker, why purple is richer. And then you can layer that color conversation onto the racial context. And so it's really helpful to see that in the words of Dr. Stacey Floyd Thomas, we need a deeper shade of purple. We need to abandon the lavender hood that centers white women and take into account race, status, class, economics, right? All of the social elements that co-create the Black woman and femmes experience. And so this definition is important to me because it lays out a foundation for how we can engage ourselves fully as Black women and femmes first, and then let that be how we show up in the world to do our work, whether it is ministry or social justice, advocacy, education, art, whatever your thing is, right? Or things, because we know how it is as creatives. We're multi-hyphenates in this bitch. Um, and so I would love for you to consider which part of this definition is resonating with you in this season of your life, right? As I'm reading the definition aloud to you, or as you go back and revisit it and read it on your own time, 
what is like resonating? What is standing out to you? What are you like? Ooh, I like that. That feels good. And I would also say, where's the resistance? What parts of this definition has you feeling some kind of way? Has you in your feelings? Has you, you know, wanting to meet our elder Alice Walker over at the black owned coffee shop? You feel me? That's what we want to know, too. And you're not alone if you're thinking about these conversations as well. There's a documentary on Netflix called In Our Mother's Gardens. And I've watched it once and I had to pause it several times because it's just so rich. This documentary is directed by a New Orleans native, Chantrell P. Lewis, and she takes us through this journey. In Our Mother's Garden celebrates the strength and resiliency of Black women and Black families through the complex and oftentimes humorous relationship between mothers and daughters. And so if you are in a space where you can take a deep dive into, again, complex but humorous <laughs> space of the dances between black mothers and their daughters, then I would highly suggest you check that out. And if you've already seen it, I would love to know your thoughts. So definitely tweet me, use the hashtag sensual faith pod and let me know what you think about in our mother's gardens. And so this is the definition of womanist that we were gifted from our beloved Alice Walker. I am certain that as we shift into this fourth wave of womanism with scholars like Ebony Janice Moore and Rachel Cargill and Candace Bimbo and a host of other millennials, specifically Black women and femmes who are shaking what our mamas gave us, okay? And we are recalibrating and reclaiming and taking up space and shifting to ideologies that work for us in this day and time, in this day and age. And so I'm excited to see where this term womanist goes. You know, it's a living, breathing document, (laughs) just like anything else that has spirit and life in it and attached to it. It's going to change and grow over time because, of course, if you're not changing, you're not growing. And if you're not growing, you are dying. Y'all, I am so grateful to have y'all trust me to facilitate this space for us at Sensual Faith Academy. It's where we are unpacking, unlearning, relearning in community. And if you would like to join us, tap in patreon.com slash LaVon Briggs. You can join any tier that feels good to you. And if you want to pledge an amount that is not listed in the tiers, you can do that as well. It can be $1. It can be a million dollars. Okay. We will take it all. (laughs) Make sure you continue to tap in with the conversation using the hashtag sensual faith pod. Go ahead and like, follow, share, subscribe, and rate five stars. And if you want to support me with the monies, you can do that, beloved one. We welcome the resources and we bless you for blessing me. Investing in me is investing in yourself. So turn up, cash app, dollar sign, Pastor Bay, Zell, and PayPal is lavon.briggs at gmail.com and Venmo is at lavon. Briggs. And that is how you can partake. So y'all go ahead, read that womanist definition, print it out, let it sink in deep down on the left-hand side in your Shondo. And I'll see you next episode. Go in peace, go in power, go in pleasure, be well, beloved ones. And if it's not well, it's not the end. And remember, faith should feel good. <laughs>